This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome to episode 20. Today we have an amazing guest. It was as I was re-listening to the conversation and getting ready to publish the episode. I was reminded of how great this conversation was, and it won't disappoint. We go into a lot of different areas of different life, marriage, kids being present, transitioning out, creating an identity, creating a legacy, pretty much the entire kit and caboodle for what we've talked about in this podcast crammed into one one-hour episode. Before we get started, just want to remind you that you can go ahead and follow me on my socials. At I'm on Instagram at, at Ben underscore Kaloy, K-I-L-L-O-Y, or we also have Military Veteran Dad handle at, at Military Veteran Dad on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Ben Kaloy, and our website is MilitaryVeteranDad.com, where you can follow our blog and also follow the latest podcast episodes and different show notes is from there. And I want to remind you guys today of a, a lesson that this episode actually demonstrated that when I started this podcast, I didn't know Reese, never heard of his name, never knew he existed. Turns out I knew of his picture, as we'll talk about as we dive into the episode, but I had no idea he existed. And by simply starting to take action in the area of my life in this podcast, being the example, he start, he was introduced by a friend and now is, been on, is going to be on the podcast. Now someone is that I know and now is a person that I can have as a friend to lean on, to ask questions, to get advice. And I didn't have that before. And so much about being a dad, about being a veteran, about being active duty military, we don't know who we need to know. But yet out there, someone has solved the problems that we're dealing with today. And I talk about it a lot. We weren't meant to do life alone. That's why I started a Facebook group last week, which you can catch the link in the show notes. And that step just to keep moving, to recognize we need to find more people to talk to. I say it a lot to talk to strangers, that that is a key, important step to have a successful transition. And it was some of the advice that he recommended is some of his basic advice today in the episode that just keep talking to strangers. I am where I am doing what I'm doing because of a podcast that allows me to talk to strangers. In many cases, I've never met. It allowed me to have a conversation about what I've learned, what he, what they've learned, and what I've learned, and trying to bring it together to help thousands of people out there listening to podcasts. Like that doesn't happen without talking to people and learning how to just to find out how to do a podcast, learning how 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 to starve the fear and walk through it, and all that happens just by keep talking to strangers. 
And finally, if you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Those reviews, I read every single one of them, and each one touches my heart because I start to recognize the impact in dad's lives that we're starting to make with this show. And it really means a lot to me for those reviews. And it also helps us climb the charts in iTunes so that other military veteran dads can find the podcast within the iTunes system. Without further ado, I want to get you into this episode because it is a game-changing episode. And just as a final reminder, we now have a Facebook group, and the link for that is in the show notes. Come over and join in and join the conversation for after the show where we dive in a little bit about the episode, where we dive in a little bit about what's going on in my life, and just help each other out and what we need to do to close the gap between the dad we are today and the dad we are tomorrow. Now on with the show. Today on the show, we have Reese Lauder. He is a U.S. Marine veteran who is a combat correspondent who served from 2009 to 2017 and was deployed to Afghanistan in 2011. He was awarded for his work taking some very iconic photos, one of such is called Letting Sleeping Dogs Lie, which was capturing a bomb detection dog resting between two Marines that essentially ended up going viral because it was featured in the U.S. Today newspaper. It was later also featured in NFL featured films and has been used in several areas throughout the uh, the, the universe. And he is a husband and a father of two and is current owner of Lead Creating creative, taking his skills learned on how to tell stories from the Marine Corps and helping small businesses tell theirs. He has a powerful story about coming home, and I'm excited to have him share with us today. Reese, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ben. Thank you for reaching out, and I'm really glad to be with you. Go ahead and describe what your family looks like now and any gaps you want to add to that introduction. Sure. Appreciate that. So I've been married to my wife, Chrissy, for Eight years. We got married shortly before, about a half a year before I deployed to Afghanistan in 2011. So we've been yeah, married just coming up on our eighth anniversary. We have two kids, boy and a girl, four and six. And yeah, as, as far as our family life goes, we're, we're very, we settled after the Marine Corps, moved back home to Northwest Washington State. Um, we're out in the countryside, beautiful spot. Um, we're very active in our extended families, active in our church, active in uh, com- like community involvement as well. Um, I, through my work, I'm able to work from home. So I have some clients that are local to me and the rest are spread across the U.S. So being able to work from home means that I'm close to family, which is the probably my favorite aspect of it. Um, and then I guess just kind of as, a, as an overall you know, our, our family situation now, family life is, is much more, much less of a roller coaster ride, I suppose you could say, than it was uh, one to two years ago. I'm sure we'll get more into that. But, um, you know, about two years ago or, or even a year, year ago from now, you know, I was still transitioning out of the Marine Corps. We had, you know, sold our home that we had bought, renovated and moved back. I had, you know, a fairly new business. We were building a home. And then, you know, two months after I transitioned from the Marines, then we found out that my wife was sick and um, had emergency brain surgery and subsequently went through about a year and a half of brain cancer treatment. So um, thank God she's in remission now. But yeah, that just gives kind of a quick overview of our, um, yeah, what our family life looks like now in comparison with, um, yeah, that roller coaster that we had even within the last year, two years. What is that moment when you, because I can imagine uh, being a Marine veteran, 
And having your wife diagnosed with brain cancer is an emotional roller coaster that initially your gut said probably not to deal with. What was it like for you in those moments or what were you, what was going through your head? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I would say the biggest thing was our, our faith basis. Um, you know, initially right after my wife was diagnosed like many Marines. And I think probably a lot of the, just the veteran veteran or um, like first responder portions of your, your audience would agree with. We all have that, you know, whether that's natural or it's because of training or it's a combination of the both, we have that, that want to, to protect and to care for people. And I, I very much had those reactions and responses right away that, you know, I had to be spiritually and physically, mentally, emotionally present, not just for my wife, but also for our family. And I knew that I would probably be able to bear more than others might in a, in a challenging situation, given what we've been through in the past. And um, so, yeah, for me, I would, I would say it was just, um, you know, drawing from personal experience and drawing on our faith to just be, be present and focused on uh, family and, and caring for everyone else. There's been a, a, an idea that I've heard passed around that a lot of in the veteran community, everybody is, hears about PTSD and I've, I've, I've reframed or I've heard it reframed as post-traumatic growth disorder that you just experience a lot of growth in a short amount of time. It sounds hmm. a little bit like the growth that you experienced maybe in Afghanistan and serving then ended up allowing you to serve your family as well, because you did a lot of growing up and saw things that you wouldn't have seen for 20 years from now, even. And you were able to bring a little bit of that home or that experience or even how to handle it. Even is that true? Or is that? Fit yeah. Yeah. That's actually, I haven't heard that before, but that's a really interesting concept. And I, I can say I pretty hardly agree with that. Um, that I think, you know, we all go through challenges and, and people for, for varied reasons respond in different ways. But ultimately, you know, regardless of, of what's been put on our path, we have to make a choice at, you know, how we're going to deal with those things, whether we perceive them to be good or bad. And I made a choice early on to, to deal with my wife's um, you know, emergency surgery and the eventual brain cancer diagnosis, the terminal diagnosis, and to take that with, you know, in the perspective of all the blessings that we've been given, and this is how both my wife and I looked at it and still look at it now, that you take that in perspective of, of what we've been given and what God has brought us through in the past, and then that gives us kind of the ingredients or the roadmap for how we're going to deal with it going forward. So, I really don't see a lot of the the challenges that I've been given as a negative thing. You know, it, it, like with anything, it's you've you've got your days and your moments that are particularly challenging. But at the same time, I look back on those those you know very just deep challenging things that that we've gone through, and I I don't have any you know I, I don't harbor any negativity or or or. Um, disdain for having gone through those, but I'm actually really thankful that we did because it's helped to focus us and really give us perspective on what's important. And, and for that, I'm extremely grateful. And this is a good segue into our first question of coming home. In some ways, like what, ha what you went through in Afghanistan 
prepared you to come home more intensely even that you might not have recognized how impactful being present with your family and how precious those moments are had you not gone through those trials and tribulations of war. Yeah, that's, that, again, that's an interesting concept that I haven't really considered, but I, I think I could say pretty generally that often, at least in my experience and from, you know, being parallel alongside friends as they've gone through this, you know, military and veteran friends as they've gone through the same thing that you don't necessarily always think so much or, or so deeply or plan as much as you might like or think you will for that transition. So whether that transition is coming home from a combat deployment, coming home from war, or that transition is, you know, what we call getting out, but transitioning off of active duty or, or the reserves into quote unquote civilian life. Um, and yeah, I, I remember just being really excited to come home and, you know, feeling like the home that you return to post deployment is different than you know, what obviously what you just experienced in a place like Afghanistan or Iraq, but also different because, you know, the, the place that you're returning to is also different because they, you've now got perspective to um, shape the way that you look at it. And I'm really thankful to have gone through that transition and now, you know, seven years later to look at that and be able to digest, you know, not only what that big chapter of the deployment experience meant, but also now to to take those lessons and to apply it to, uh, yeah, an even more significant transition in a lot of ways from off of active duty into, you know, that that larger chapter of the the rest of our lives. You know, my my service was eight years, but and and that is a, you know, again, I think a lot of people could agree that your military service in some ways feels kind of like dog years. You know, mm-hmm. that it's much longer than the actual time. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm thankful that it, um, that deployment coming home very much set me up for, um, at least to conceptually and within my brain to, to better understand how that, how important it was to plan for that transition post uh, transition out of the Marine Corps. I think as what a lot of veterans go through is we go from Superman to Clark Kent, but we don't know who Clark Kent is anymore on the other side. Reading your bio, I think what you did successfully is you created identity that wasn't connected to the uniform that would transition across those lines into the civilian world. And you knew who you were well before you even got out because you were the same person. Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I thought that I had a lot of clarity, um, you know, in my transition on where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do next. And so I took steps to, you know, to those tangible steps to get ready for what was coming. You know, I spent, spent a good amount of time on my LinkedIn, getting that all set up and translating my experience into what I wanted to do next. I got my business started. I got a contract, you know, in my, in my brain, I, I guess I had convinced myself that it was like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to transition. I'm getting out, you know, two months from now. And the, the, the transition is kind of a one-time event. And I think it's just like we can convince ourselves that it's much, much simpler than that. Whereas once I actually got there and, you know, another part of the transition step was getting set up to go back to school. So I've been chipping away at my degree while I was in 
So by the time I transitioned out, I just had a year and a quarter to finish at school. So those are all the tangible things that needed to be completed to launch into the transition. But it's, it's a lot of those intangible things that I think we don't think about. Like you mentioned earlier that, you know, you've got such a, such a service identity and you've got, like for me serving as a Marine, you've got that Marine Corps identity. And when you transition out, you don't lose it, but it changes. You don't have that right in front of you every day. So then, yeah, it, it really becomes more so about the intangibles than the tangibles. And what I mean is that, yes, there are tangible steps you need to take during your transition to ensure um, yeah, that you've got a plan and that you've got something in front of you that's going to um, you know, further your education, net yourself a job in order to support yourself or your family. Um, but at the same time, those intangibles are, I would argue, are more important. You know, your, what is your identity? For me, it's, it's rooted in my faith as a Christian, and it's rooted in my, my family and my ability to be a supporter and provider there. It's, it's in how I support the community. And I really had to war with that, you know, going from being so clear about who I was and what I wanted to do next from a tangible perspective. And then to realize that, you know, I had to come home um, in terms of my, yeah, like my, my identity as, as a, as a provider, as a, a person who, you know, has a heart to serve others as a person who, um, yeah, had, had really great Marine Corps experiences, but that not everybody would necessarily want to talk about that or have that at the front of their mind that, you know, when you're home and you're uh, one other part of the community that, you know, we're, yeah, we're not necessarily special. It's just that we've gone through something different than others have. So looking back on it, I, and in being honest about it, I, I, I will candidly say that I felt that I had the clarity about who I was and what I wanted to do next. And I've now come to realize that it's, it's, it really is an ongoing process. That transition is not just a, you know, single time or short term event. Um, it continues box. and it will continue. Yeah, exactly. It's not a checkbox. And I think what I've come to reflect on for my own transition. So when I got out, I Oh, I, I think as you were talking, I, I connected something for the first time that in a lot of ways, I felt like maybe the identity betrayed me because it didn't necessarily feel like it was useful after I was transitioned across that line. And for the most, like I would say eight years, I really didn't want anybody. I didn't talk about being a Marine and I didn't even go to war. So I really yeah. don't have any reason not to talk about it. I just didn't feel like it served me and I didn't want people to notice. And it was just a, part of my life that I would just rather not talk about. But at the same time, I think that was because I didn't fully, I, I looked at the identity in the incorrect way. Like it teaches you about certain things, but it's just a job. And in Marine Corps even probably more so because it's a 200 year identity that everybody kind of in, embodies into this grandiose idea that and in the real world ain't gonna serve you in any particular way. Um, and you've just got to recognize and keep moving. I think that's what I've realized, even with this podcast, is so much of a plan. A plan's only good the first day you write, and every day after it slowly starts to diminish. But just continuing yeah. to keep moving and just keep talking. I think 
what I've, I've, what I didn't do almost any of until just recently with my podcast in the last two years is just talk to people. Like I talking to people was the death of me. So if I were to go back and try to teach one thing in tabs, it would be how to talk to strangers. And I would do a field trip to some random event that I would be challenged to talk to people because I feel like that in itself, if I had to go to some event and talk about being a Marine and who I was, like that exercise would have served me more than having a plan or anything because it's continuing to move on and continue to find people that know people that can help you figure out what you want. And if you're only talking to other people, then you're not really figuring out what you want and until you get out of your head. It doesn't really make sense always that what you disinfect yeah. there is really good. Yeah. And, and maybe, a, maybe a good way to think of it like this, cause that was kind of a long, um, long stretch that I talked for to answer your question there, but maybe it's good to think about it in the sense that yes, there are, there are all these, these, you know, checkbox items that you need to set up. If you will, if, if you're a list, if you're a list maker, you'll appreciate that, that, you know, if you're going to go to school, you have to get registered, you have to get, um, you know, set up with the VA to draw on your education benefits, et cetera. Um, if you're going to, to get ready to transition into a, civilian or federal government job post service, you know, there are steps you need to take. But I would say that most people, at least again, in my experience, would really hesitate to, you know, make part of that list, you know, sitting down and, and whether it's with yourself or, you know, your spouse or a loved one or a brother or sister you served alongside, make, looking at that list and saying, Okay, like let's consider some of the bigger things. Like what 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 is important to me in my life about my identity? Like you just talked about that, you know, the Marine Corps is is not just a job. It's it really is a way of life. So when you move away from that way of life, you know, what's going to be important to you? What's what's gonna drive you? What's gonna push you to um, you know, still work to make an impact in in others' lives and, and in the world. And yeah, those are those are kind of bigger, heavier, more existential questions, I suppose you could say. But, um, but they I'm really glad that like to, to start thinking about because a lot of people probably aren't thinking about those. But just letting your brain, your subconscious, even to start swirling around on those ideas, it's it's important to start expanding how we're thinking it, which is something and, we do well. Yeah, and and even even if you don't make it part of that list as a veteran transitioning out, you're, you're, you're going to hit that list at some point, or you're going to hit those, those bullet items to where, you know, you're, you're asking yourself, okay, I'm working in a, you know, let's say you're working in a job that does not give you any sort of, um, you know, benefit from a service perspective, or, you know, you don't feel like you're having a benefit to others and you feel like that's missing from your identity then those questions are going to come up that, okay, I, I used to have this really deep, strong sense of purpose, and now I don't. So does that mean I need to look at new work? Well, not necessarily. Maybe it means that you need to, you know, evaluate in and of yourself with, you know, what your priorities are as to where you're going to make a difference. Because work is just one place to do that. There's, you know, and, and this is why I like being, being on here and being able to talk about this from a familial perspective, too, that you know, you can also, and you really should as a husband and a father, that should be the first place that you strive to make an impact is in your home and in your community. I, I really believe that. And, 
even you know, as work, leaders work like being second. a father that's something huge an impact of our family yeah it, it it really is so even if that even if those those hard kind of deeper questions are not part of that checklist i'm not saying you need to you like oh think in and of myself as you know bullet point number 10 but I, I just wish that I had, I don't regret that I didn't think about them earlier, but I'm thankful that, um, you know, through that kind of discovery process post-transition, that those are some of the things that you end up having to face because, yeah, it is a pretty, it can be a pretty tumultuous time. It can be also a really positive time or it can be both. And I think to, to gain the most from, uh, you know, the most learning from that experience um, asking those harder questions and not just taking steps like, you know, Hey, I just, okay, I got to get a job. I need a new job. Yeah. That's one element, but it's not all of it. I like it. You had mentioned when we were talking bef- uh, about doing this episode that you have a special needs son, correct? I do. Yeah, we do. Uh, what are some of the, the I'm a big believer that kids spell love T-I-M-E. I just spent today's lunch with my daughter as a simple way to invest some time into her. When you think about your son and your, your other son, right, is it son or, no, it's a daughter, correct? Yeah, we have a son and daughter. What are some of the simple ways that you invest in their, their lives that they remember and are simple and silly, but yet have such a huge impact? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I would say that they are the most routine events. And I'm really glad that these routine events are enabled by my proximity to family, especially when the kids are small, you know, they're, our son goes to a special needs preschool a couple days a week, and then our daughter goes to preschool or to kindergarten rather a couple of days a week as well. So they're, they're still in and out of being, being at home with my wife and I. And that proximity to them is is a pretty is a pretty special thing. I I really never thought that I would have any desire or interest to work from home, but knowing that I've got you know the the people I love the most really close to me, and and also a very separate place that I can you know buckle down and get my my work done in my office, and it, it works well. But those those few couple of things that yeah, have kind of enabled me to come home through. Um, time spent with my kids would be yeah, re- the, the most routine events. It would be mealtimes. You know, we don't sit down together every, you know, breakfast and lunch, for example, but I'm able to eat lunch with my wife most days. And we, you know, it's, it's, it's family dinner together every night, just like it was when I was a kid with my family and, and for my wife with hers. Um, and, you know, doing reading and prayers before bedtime, that's every night. And then, you know, for us, like starting every week together as basically our family day on, on Sundays, we go to church and we spend time together as a family. We open up our home to host others. And it's, it's just like a, a day that is, yeah, we, we take a break from everything else we do during the week. And it's, it's just dedicated to, dedicated to God, dedicated to the family. And yeah, those, those normalcy, you know, the, the, the normalcy that we find in those really routine events I think for me or and for you know when you're approaching it from the perspective as a husband and a father that normalcy is really really important um because especially as a you know a motivated driven person 
when you're when you're spending a good portion of your day focused on uh, work and serving others and you know growing a business or serving a client well then that normalcy is is the exact gut check that we need to you know to to be forced to question what is most important and and to really not just think like oh i should spend more time with my family or oh i need to i need to set you know i need to set some space in the future to do that no we we just we need to jump into that normalcy and be a part of it and and be present for you know our spouses and our kids in that time i like all of that and that normalcy the dinner table those are simple things but they can get lost so quickly in 2019 of trying to keep up with everything, keep up with sports, but those moments, those conversations, that time, those are things that they're going to remember and incorporate in their life that are going to have a lasting impact on future generations as they remember of what spending family time was really about. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, if you want to put it in more like military terms, if, if that's helpful, you know, we're, some people really like having discipline or, or having discipline introduced into their lives because maybe they don't, they didn't grow up with that or they didn't, um, it doesn't come to them naturally. I, I had that before, like discipline and structure, but I'm so thankful for what I learned through my Marine Corps time that has really given me the pride to, um, the pride and the understanding of the benefit of discipline. And, and even in those normal routine events, you know, having, having the discipline to conduct those um, and, and to focus on them on a daily basis is, is so important, not, not just for, you know, obviously very important for, for your kids, for your spouse, but I think also for us, because yeah, it, re it really does force you to say, okay, even, even though this is a lesser amount of time that I'm spending, you know, rather than eight to 10 hours at work, um, where, where does it sit on the order of priorities? Is it, is it higher or is it lower? If, if you're being honest with yourself. I like that. I'm going to wrap two questions up into this and we've already kind of talked about it, but I'm going to segue into it that in the past few episodes that I've recorded, I've been really digging deep into this idea of legacy and we touched on it that I think one of the things that prevents veterans from coming home is we focus on the legacy of our service, trying to figure out what it meant instead of trying to figure out what the next legacy, which is the closest is our family. As military veteran dads, we can almost cheat a little bit because we have a legacy right there in front of us that only requires one thing, our time, investment of energy and wisdom to lead them into the, as adulthood. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to think about your family name when they, when they hear it? Yeah, it's a deep question in of itself. Um, the thing that I would like to be most remembered for would be that, or, or yeah, you had mentioned previously, like, what, what do you want your kids to remember about you when they're, when they're older, when they're 30 or older? You know, I, I would, I would be honored to be remembered by, you know, first and foremost, loving God and serving others, you know, whether that's, that's my kids and their mom, my wife, you know, obviously that's, that's the closest to home and, so important but also that you know i'd be remembered for serving others and 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 really always not just saying like oh i want to serve others but but through you know quiet humble actions really demonstrating that you know you're you're serving 
in whatever capacity you are, whether that's you know, any spectrum of, of job that you could ever serve in or community involvement, volunteer work that you could, that you could participate in that, um, yeah, that I would, I would be seen as someone who always strove to um, give of myself first. And, yeah, and beyond that, you know, pride that I'd be remembered as somebody who served proudly and, you know, was very, um, benefited greatly from, um, you know, that our family benefited greatly from my service and also that, you know, we, we were very proud of that in, in keeping with, you know, the, the ideals and the blessings that we've been given as, as Americans and that, um, yeah, it was, it was a humbling part to be a contributing member to that, even if it was for, you know, a relatively short period of time, eight years. Um, and yeah, that, that, that would be the that would be the legacy of others first and um you know proudly carrying on the uh the legacy of a lot of other people who have served proudly before us i like that it's, and is your family your family has a history of entrepreneurship is there a history of military service no there there's not actually so i'm i'm the first in my family to serve but i i grew up in a community where particularly Marine Corps service is pretty, pretty prevalent. And I just always looked at, at my, um, my older friends and both what they were able to give, but also what they received, especially in those intangibles of, you know, pride and discipline and um, just kind of a, a, a quiet humility and, and willing to uh, willingness to serve others. And yeah, it, it just very much aligned with, aligned with maybe not necessarily at that point who I was, but who I aspired to be. And I'm really thankful for yeah, all of, all of what those opportunities brought because um, it's, it's very much, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm necessarily a ton different from who I was before, but I feel like it's definitely smoothed those, uh, smoothed those rough edges out and um, helped me to be much more clear on who I need to be for, um, you know, for my wife, for my kids and, and in our community. And as we talk about the legacy, I've mentioned this quote a couple of times in the podcast, but it always, it's fueled a lot of where my focus of the podcast, how I prioritize creating the podcast that Billy Graham said that he spoke to 60,000 people in his life in one stadium. And he would have had a greater impact on this universe if he would have spent that time with his kids. And I'll never forget that. And it always anchors yes. where my priorities need to be and where my legacy is best created. I can change a thousand lives in whatever way through this podcast, but I'll have a greater impact on the universe by investing in my kids as they yes. to be good adults. Yeah. And that's, that's perhaps the most profound statement of what either of us has said this whole time that, um, you know, I, again, in, in being young, driven, motivated, we, uh, we have this desire to, to grow and achieve and be recognized and, Conquer and ultimately all those things. Yeah, exactly. All, all those things, you know, slay that, slay that dragon, like the Marine and dress blue, like all these things that ultimately revolve around us. And, and that's, that's my point. I, I guess I could sum it up by saying, you know, what, what do I want my kids to remember me for that, 
you know, I was a strong example with my faith, with morals, with ethics, and that I was present at home. And, you know, in, in having that, you know, that, that driven, that driven nature, that entrepreneurial nature, I think you can, it's really, it's really easy to get wrapped up in um, legacy as it pertains to you, but that's, that's really not what it's about. When you've been entrusted with the care of your spouse and your children, they are the priority. And yeah, being, being forced to be, uh, being forced to be present for them and, and, and to focus on them first. And yeah, I, I feel like my, my life and my, um, my, my scope for big things has definitely narrowed a bit, but not in a bad way. You know, we, we, you know, aspirations can be put in much better context when you're viewing it through the lens of serving, you know, your loved ones and others first before your own uh, ambitions and desire for growth. I love that. When your wife was diagnosed with brain cancer, and even since as it's gone in remission, you've had conversations about your own mortality of each other that most of us will never face for many years, hopefully decades. Yeah. That I can only imagine the amount of growth that your marriage had to go through to get on the other side of that, because I'm in some marriages, I'm sure that that could actually pull people apart. Like that's just too much for a marriage to carry, or there maybe the marriage isn't as anchored or solid as it could be. What advice would you give to a dad looking to come home to his marriage where maybe they feel like they're a stranger right now, that if you've walked a lot of um, road with your wife with the cancer, what advice would you give someone looking to just take those first few steps that feels like it's, it's hopeless? I would say, you know, my, my answer is going to align pretty closely to what I just talked about. Um, you know, first and foremost, support your spouse. Like even in your transition, it's, it's really easy to get, or, or, or even if your transition was a long time ago, it's really easy to get wrapped up in, in yourself and like the, the, the challenges and the demands of the day to day. But if you're so busy with your own transition or your own goals or both, that you neglect to put them first, I, I firmly believe that everything else will suffer. Whether that's, you know, your, your faith life, your, uh, your, you know, your relationship in your marriage, your performance at work, your health, you know, none of those things are silos in and of themselves. And I, I will always believe, but I've, I've really seen through, you know, the challenges that we've been fortunate to go through that, I really, we together see it like that, that we're fortunate to have gone through those things because it pulls you together in a way that, um, you know, when everything's easy, just doesn't, it, it doesn't make us any better. It's, it's what God given us, not by our choice, but in his wisdom. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. So I, I would say, I would say that's what it is. First and foremost, you know, if, if you want to come home to your marriage and you're struggling with it, um, work, you know, it's, it's, it's so much easier said than done, but work first for your spouse and in support of your spouse, work on yourself at the same time. But, you know, I, I think there's so much, there's so much gift that can be gained in, um, enjoying life with your significant other and, and, you know, being able at the end of it, to say, yeah, maybe personally I didn't accomplish all the things that I might have thought I would at some point, 
but ultimately if if you can have served others and and served them well and to have done done that alongside your your family and for them to have felt like they were supported and loved and cared for well then i would say that's a very fulfilled life but like you said it doesn't have to be you know you don't have to have a global imprint you know your your imprint of your legacy can be pretty small at home but I, my eyes have been opened in that, you know, you can, you can serve and have a, a beautiful and successful life without needing to go and conquer incredible things that, that, you know, if, if you're conquering those, those routine day-to-day things at home, that, um, at least in my mind, the, the scale of that is the same as, um, you know, some of those big other um, global scale things, if you will. There's been an idea that I've been floating around in uh, that oftentimes for myself, I've struggled to allow myself to be happy. And I've really been framing it that a lot of times in marriage, and I think for myself, I was, I was always insecure of myself. So I was always a very symbiotic relationship and um, maybe even needy could be described as. And I realized it's as a man within the marriage and a family, and I think this happens as veterans as well. We get hung up on not choosing to be happy ourselves. Like it's, we need to figure out how to be happy independently of every other input in our life. So that way we can show up in other people's lives whole. That is our responsibility to create an environment for others to be happy. But in a lot of ways, it's not our responsibility to make them happy. It's just our responsibility to ensure they have the environment to thrive and that we understand what they're going through. Yeah, that's a curious thing to think about too. And I, I'll, I'll challenge you on this too. That um, just recently had a conversation with a good Marine Corps buddy about, you know, kind of this this concept or this topic of of happiness. And I'll argue that perhaps in a lot of times a better word to consider is contentment. That, you know, contentment seems like, oh, are you settling? You know, it, that, that can be the perception, but I think that contentment in some circumstances, maybe not every single circumstance, but um, I'm sure that there's an argument that could be made uh, to the contrary, but contentment is a beautiful thing to consider because, you know, for example, if, if you need to work on your, your marriage and your life at home, but, at, but simultaneously you've got a work opportunity that's really big in front of you, and you're deciding, okay, which am I going to make priority? Well, ultimately, if, if, if this is in my life, I, I want to ensure that, you know, marriage and family life is, is provided for first and is stable before my work life is. So maybe contentment, you can be unhappy at work. You can be unhappy with your work. But I would argue that I would, I would say that the, the better challenge would be to examine whether or not you can be content in that role. That if that, that role isn't fulfilling, but you know you need to be present at home, that you would examine yourself to say, okay, can I be content? Even if this role isn't forever and this isn't my dream job or I hate my boss or you know, this isn't the best use of my skills, then yeah, just, just look at it and say, what's the priority? If the priority is home, then contentment 
with work is a good opportunity to you know continue to plug along but focus on on what is more important so i just overarchingly i i much prefer um the word contentment especially given what we've been through than i than i do you know that the the pursuit of happiness if you will i like that as well and it's i like the word contentment because it's it's rooted also in the word gratitude which just makes you humble for what you have not for what you want and to recognize that everything you have today is a gift and yeah to, you can have hopes and dreams but and it's, it's super hard in 2019 like i feel like it's getting harder and harder with the the way that our society is wiring our con- conscious to think but just being happy with what we have being content we're exactly where we are, who we are today because of what's happened to us. And just realizing whatever we can do from where we are right now and being content with that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't, again, it doesn't mean you forsake your goals or you become, you know, Oh my, oh my goodness. Am I becoming boring? No, it, it doesn't. Well, maybe it could mean that I suppose, but it doesn't need to. It just, it means that you're willing to, like you said, to consider from a perspective of gratitude, you know, thanks to, to consider that thankfulness for what you've been given that we don't, you know, in a consumer, consumer society, we, it's, it's like we're hardwired to want more. And in, in a lot of ways, I think that can be a positive thing. Um, but when we're talking about family and all those things and, you know, balancing that with our own aspirations for work. I think we do really well to, yeah, kind of push back on what our, what our brain or conscious is telling us and, and say, okay, am, am I, am I content? Am I thankful for what I've been given rather than, you know, just always, always looking in, in and of yourself and in comparison with your friends and saying, like, do I have enough? Like, what, what more can I get? Uh, contentment is a and, and gratitude for what you've been blessed with are a good way to kind of combat that. I like that. What's a resource or a book you would recommend to other military veteran dads? Good question too. Um, maybe not a book per se or not an atypical resource, but I, I really think that the, the best resource that, well, okay, this, this is dependent on the context, right? Like if, if you're really struggling with a, a job search, then, you know, working with a, uh, a company that like Veterati, for example, that will mentor you along the process, then, then that, that's better in that context. If you're looking for, um, you know, getting into uh, uh, some schooling that's going to assist with your next role, then, you know, the VA's vocational rehab and employment um, program can be helpful too. But at least from my experience, the the thing that has helped me best uh, with transition and, and what I know can be a huge help, regardless of context to anybody that is transitioning out of the military is to look back on your network of guys or gals that you serve alongside, um, you know, being honest with both where you are, where you've matured to and where you like to go and looking at that network and saying, okay, is, is, is this person, is this person somebody that I, I really 
um, want to stay in touch with and that I know is going to challenge me to be better and to, yeah, to be content, to be consistent and thankful and to build that little network. And as you get older and family life and, and work life and all these things happen, your, your scope is going to narrow. So surrounding yourself with veterans, whether they've, you know, transitioned out 10, 20, whatever years ago, five years ago, um, looking, looking at what they did and learning from their lessons. And then also as, as a parallel from, you know, other service members who have, who are going through the transition in the same time as you, um, and, you know, maybe are making some of the same mistakes or having some of the same challenges or triumphs and, you know, drawing from those people and their experiences, whether it was a long time ago or, or now and using them to both, um, cause you to think about, you know, yourself and your transition and also to, to encourage you and perhaps convict you to, you know, do something differently or, or to try something that you hadn't considered or, or just to lift you up when you need it. Cause we all at some point are going to need it in that, you know, challenging transition. So it's, it's not a, you know, you can't search, you can't you do a Google search and find that resource just like that. But whether you serve four years or 40 years, you've got people that you've served alongside who, who care about you and, and who um, know you better than anybody else. So again, win, winnow down and find those who are, are, are going to continue to be that support and hold you accountable and, and hold you to a high standard and, and align yourself with them. And, um, well, you know, also gives you an opportunity to, to support them too, which, which is equally as important. I like that. And oddly enough, when you first said you weren't, you were going to do something different than a book, I was thinking of a word and oddly enough, that still word is relevant at the end of what you were talking about. And it's really comes down to making sure you continue conversations with everybody that past future, wherever you need to go, just start talking to people somewhere on that road or highway, because there are people out there that have already figured out what you're trying to figure out. You just need to find that person. What what you just said is, is profound too, in that, like in our society right now, there's, there's solutions for everything. Like I, I love information. So often I'll, I'll just Google search for something like tons of times a day just to like, Oh, I'm, I'm curious about this. Look it up and you've got an answer, but the transition isn't like that. There, you know, there are, yes, there are set, set answers for certain questions, but ultimately if you're looking for a quick fix, it's, it's not going to work that way. Not, not that, you know, there, there are a lot of books and other resources that can help to kind of develop a roadmap, but ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, when you're, when you're really struggling for answers on something, or you just need a, a shoulder to lean on, you know, that's where those relationships and conversations and, you know, the, the, yeah, those, those intangible, um, those intangible benefits come in. And, and again, you can gain a ton of benefit from, from books, podcasts, everything in between, but go back to speaking to people, to being present and connected to people. And I think that is the, the most valuable resource. And in my experience through the good and bad, um, you know, that core group of Marines that I served alongside, 
that that's been the biggest benefit and um you know ongoing continuous benefit for for both me and and my friends and my mindset has now wired especially even more podcasts and diving more into figuring out what all this means to me and what it's going to look like in the future is talking to strangers and that I am always just one conversation away from something amazing coming to my life. And I'm going to miss a hundred percent of those shots that I don't take. And the person that yeah. you're, you're sitting next to on the airplane going between the TAD or whatever could be the one person that has some random idea that you've never heard before. That is something you've always wanted. And you'll never know any of that unless you start talking. I was just on the plane to new Orleans a few weeks ago and there was this guy, I noticed him before he got on the plane. He looked interesting. And he had a seating error and ended up getting reassigned to an empty seat that was next to me. And it was the very last empty seat. So there was no other place to go. So the universe was already kind of in play here. And uh, normal before me would have just kept quiet and watched Netflix on the plane. But now I say hello and talk, talk to him. And it turns out he was a Marine officer and served. And I was just like, we told stories. I told him what I was doing. He told me about what he does for Capital One downtown Chicago. That conversation, nothing really came of it, but I have no idea what could ever come from it. And I feel enriched. He feels enriched. And just having that little moment of normalcy between two people that had shared experiences, you can move mountains with that type of emotional connection you build. And it's, that's where the real change in us and also in others around us can happen when you just gift to someone of a friendly conversation. For sure. And that's, and that's, it takes discipline for that too, right? Because even if you're an outgoing person, like I, I love to talk to people. I, there are fewer things that I enjoy than, than talking to and, and sharing stories with and hearing stories from other people. But there are times, and, and I, I feel you when I fly, often I, I don't feel like talking, which is not necessarily a great thing, but a good opportunity to challenge yourself. And, and we all have this. There's times where you go to the, the supermarket to pick some stuff up and you don't feel like talking to anybody. Um, but still, making a deliberate effort to be friendly, to be kind, to um, you know lift somebody up when they need it, because every one of us has something going on, whether it's super challenging or not, or it's more challenging to one person than the same thing is to another, that we have a, we have a big opportunity to, yeah, to, to both give, but also to gain, like you said. So having the discipline to, to be uncomfortable, I think is a, is a really valuable thing, whether that's, um, whether that's at home in your work or yeah, on a, on a flight, uh, going going off to a business event. And I've, I've heard it said that you never really know what it took for someone to put their pants on that day and get it out of bed. And you spending that five minutes to notice that they exist could be the one thing that prevents them from killing themselves. You have really have no idea what a simple hello could do to someone. And that discipline to always start with fear and walk into those conversations isn't easy. And for me, it started with Dads of the Park. I started where we already had some commonality and we could have a conversation forever because we both had kids and then moved on to other places. And now I'm a little bit addicted to it. Drives my wife nuts because I'm always talking to random people. But it's where, it's where life happens. It doesn't happen inside our head. It happens outside of our head into... I've even like in, I've heard like in the people talk about B2B companies and B2C companies. I like to say I'm in the P2P company business, like just people to people. Like that's really where the space I want to be in. 
Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right that when you're willing to put yourself out there more. And I, I think that in a lot of ways, or at least as I perceive it, that being in the military breaks down a lot of, you know, just little like, yeah, not knowing other people's cultures or situations or family structure, whatever. It it takes a lot of those nuances away and it enables you to, you know, not immediately judge somebody, but just be willing to, you know, to chat with them and not have an agenda to do it, just to, you know, be interested. And, and I think that ties back to the transition too, that you can be so sure of what you want to do next and then go and execute. And that's, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing at all, but you also need to realize that there's a lot of opportunity in, you know, moving forward and executing, but remaining nimble enough and open enough to, um, you know, yeah, just, just stay open to other opportunities too. And that, you know, meeting somebody random on a plane could be something and maybe it's something better than what you have. That's, that's a real, that's a real possibility. So, um, yeah, just, just, I guess it's making me think of my, um, like I, I sent you Ben the about page on my portfolio website, like my copy on there, the, the verbiage, what I've written about myself and my story is completely different. It's, it's completely different from what I wrote on my website just after I got out, you know, then it was focused on like a very military esque, like, this is what I did in the Marines and this is what I accomplished. These are the awards I received. And now two years later, I looked at that and or a year and a half, whatever it was, I looked at that and thought like, that doesn't even sound human. And it just sounds like me first, instead of just having a conversation. And I realized that that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good way of spelling out what the transition looks like, that you will continue to make adjustments to your story and to where you're going and where you've come from and what's going to motivate you. And you don't have to have it all figured out, but it does help to have clarity to, to move forward on execution, but also having the, uh, yeah, kind of the faith and trust that there, there are other opportunities too, and that, um, those don't have to be perceived as a bad thing that those could, those could actually be a really good thing for you, for your family and for others. I love that. It was a long resource, but I think that conversation was a good one. What's a parting <laughs> piece of advice that you want to leave for other military veteran dads? Yeah, good question too. Um, so I, I had the opportunity to, to speak at a Marine Corps ball uh, last year and this question reminds me of um, what I talked about there and kind of the crux of my speech was about service. So when you serve, whether you serve in the Marine Corps, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, whatever, wherever you serve, you know, what, whatever branch you served in at whatever time, you know, we all learned how to serve. So if you consider this service and you remember what it feels like to serve, kind of that, you know, that goosebumps at the national anthem feeling. I love that. So both, yeah, so do I. Both of how 
it feels to give freely of yourself and also how it feels to receive so much from that service. But still that you would, you would serve first for others, but that there's actually a lot of beauty in what you can receive from that service. And, and to take that all as context, that, that, that experience that you've enjoyed to learn how to serve and to remember that, you know, we have an obligation to continue serving. So like we've talked about, that service can be in our homes, it can be in our communities, it can be in our careers. You know, whatever job you go into, you can, you can serve as an accountant, you can serve as a first responder, a marketer, a student. But first and foremost, I, I will always make the case that that service that you've learned needs to be applied in, you know, your home, whether you're yeah, regardless of what your what your uh, what your role or your family makeup is, you need to serve at home first to equip your loved ones to serve others well, and and to really ask yourself, am I using my my gifts and talents to the best of my benefit to um, to uplift others? And, and it doesn't. I I struggled for I struggled for a while wondering. Okay, I'm doing something I really enjoy, but is, is this the best thing I can do to serve? And realize that once you're forced to, or, or you have the opportunity to, or you make the opportunity to be more engaged at home, um, that that is service too. Or, you know, when you make a deliberate effort to get involved in your church or your rotary or the VFA or whatever, or VFW rather, you you know, you can serve in a lot of ways, but often you need to go out and find the way to do that. But it's also a really healthy thing to do because, you know, again, we've been taught that it's, it's imbued in us in a way that it isn't in a lot of other people. And that's a huge opportunity, not an opportunity for personal benefit first, but an opportunity to continue to demonstrate, you know, that, that intangible of, of service and willingness to to give of ourselves for others that there's an opportunity to to continue in with that and and i think also uh, a, a real obligation to continue to serve steve jobs always said that he always looked at his life of trying to make a dent in the universe now let's say he successfully did that uh i've reframed that as kind of a cloyism that i want pe- if i think of the universe as a wall i want someone to walk by that wall and point to a dent and be like that dent was the cloys and like that doesn't have to necessarily mean you change the world. That just means you make a great enough impact on someone that then multiplies to change the world. Like it, you don't have to be the person that changes a thousand lives. You changing 10 could multiply to a million. And the simplest things like our family can be the thing that makes a dent on the wall. You never know. I'll, I'll leave you with this. I, this, is a, this is a cool little anecdote about family not about my um like the family right within my own household but my dad my dad has been a, a small business owner for three years an entrepreneur and always done really well great dad i'm, I'm close to him he's been a, a a beautiful example for our community for our family um and a number of years ago he had taken he was asked to to leave his job to take a uh, a campaign manager role for a gentleman running for senate here in the state of washington and this is a guy who's, you know, the, the gentleman is running for Senate was, was and is extremely successful 
has a, a, a medium-sized business here in Washington that's grown immensely. You know, from a, from a worldly perspective, if you will, he's, he's, he's got it all, right? And he had looked at my dad one time and said he had seen, or my dad had showed him a picture of our family. I have four siblings, and between, you know, us, us five kids, we've got, uh, you know, there's 16 grandkids for my parents. Just on just on our side, big family, and this gentleman who you know my dad was managing a campaign for said to my dad, "If, if you did nothing else in your life other than you know to to raise your family well and to to love and to support them and your your grandkids, like that's it right there. If if you did nothing else, that this was this is your legacy." And this was a number of years ago, but my dad just shared this with me, I don't know, a week or two ago. And yeah, it's just, that, that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool thing to think about that. Um, you know, we have, we have a massive opportunity first and foremost to, to, to serve in our home and, and to let our, our quiet actions and by doing the right thing to, to let those be our legacy rather than, you know, working so hard to, um, to control that legacy, like we we want to control the narrative of what our what our stories were. No, just do the right thing, serve others, and um, and be be concerned about them before yourself. Easy to say, hard to do, but that's that's the beauty of life that we get the opportunity to, you know, to, to try and to continue to try. We transition out, and it's our opportunity to make something of it, or not waste or waste end up wasting it and realize that uh, our kids are graduated and left to school and they really never got a chance to know who we were because we never come home. Well, Reese, I absolutely love this conversation. I am super stoked that uh, Dan Evans put us together because this moment was definitely meant for the universe to absorb. And I know we brought a, a lot, a lot of dads home with this conversation in a lot of different ways we haven't really dove deep in on the podcast yet. So I, I'm even more excited to get this podcast out into the airwaves. And as we go into the weekend, it's Friday now. I really hope you have a great weekend and get to enjoy family time on Sunday and enjoy some sunshine. We got some snow on tap here, so I'm not really looking forward to that. But it's Washington, it's spring, so you got some sunshine, it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, some 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 sunshine, some rain, but yeah, thanks so much Ben for for having me on. I'm I'm really thankful for this opportunity and and if you haven't had Dan on already, you need to, especially I already uh, did. He, he, he's got I a, your name after recording. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. His yeah. just came out no, he's, this, he's uh, been a, past week, I think. It was. He's a he's a he's a good man. He was a great marine, good family man and I'm yeah, I'm I'm grateful to still being connected to him as a as a mentor and friend too. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you linked us up. Awesome. Reese. you have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of your, your day. Okay. Thanks, Ben. Same to you. Appreciate it. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet in iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.